up, man? It's Craig Smith the Rhino, former NBA player and BC legend. Shout out. Shout out. What's your ones look like? Hope you're staying well, staying safe, and staying blessed. Rhino out. Losing the ball. Smith has it. Hudson bounce pass to Craig Smith. Puts it down. Who's afraid of that big bad wolf? Metal World Peace Pipe. What's going down? It's the big baller, baby. Yeah, I want to give a shout out to the halftime community from the big baller himself. That's right. You guys keep it right and take. Keep doing your thing. Because Big Baller Brand is in the building. And you know how we get down. But anyways, y'all do y'all thing, and we gon' do our thing, cause big ballers gotta stick together. Again, shout out to the halftime community. That's right. Big ballers out, baby, and I holla. You know what that sound means, folks. Shams, Woj, they dropped a bomb on us yesterday. They dropped a nuke on us, the first one of the season. James Harden trade, we've been waiting on it since the preseason. We knew he was gonna get traded. Philadelphia and Brooklyn both look like the front runners. Ended up being Brooklyn. I wrote about this before the season on the app, but I felt like Brooklyn was the best fit for him at the end of the day. But before we get too deep into the fit, uh, what it means for Brooklyn, what it means for their title hopes, what it means for the future, what it means for the Rockets, let's get into what actually happened in the trade, what went down, what pieces were swapped. James Harden, of course, comes to the Brooklyn Nets along with a 2024 second rounder from the Cavs. Um, that second rounder's likely to not amount to much, but you never know. Could be a little sweetener to add to the trade. The Houston Rockets, they, they got a lot here. They got a big haul. They were looking to get a big haul for James Harden. They played hardball with both the Sixers and the Brooklyn Nets at the end of the day. Other teams probably kicked the tires on Harden. Um, I would imagine Danny Ainge and the Celtics at least made some sort of offer. Probably didn't include Jalen Brown, which is why it never happened. Uh, the Golden State Warriors maybe kicked the tires on him as well. Don't know exactly what was involved there. Uh, James Wiseman most likely was not thrown in the trade, which is why it never happened. So what did the Rockets get? They got Victor Oladipo. Nobody saw that coming. Um, nobody saw that piece being added to the trade. We knew Karis LeVert had to be moved. So we thought he would be moved to the Houston Rockets if this trade ever happened. That ended up not happening. Uh, Karis LeVert went to the Indiana Pacers along with the 2023 second round pick. And in addition to that, that added the Pacers to the mix where they sent Victor Oladipo to the Houston Rockets along with Dante Exum from the Cavs who is somehow making $9 million this year. So most likely that was just a salary dump to make the trade work. Rodion's Karuks from the Brooklyn Nets he had a solid rookie season. After that, he kind of faded away, wasn't in the rotation much. But he could add a little bit to the Rockets, a little bit of outside shooting from the wing. Three first-rounders. This is where it gets interesting for the Houston Rockets. They added three first-rounders from the Brooklyn Nets, all unprotected. Normally, when these types of trades happen, there's some sort of protection on some of the picks, especially if there's multiple first-rounders. In this case, there was no protection. So that means no matter what, these picks are going to the Houston Rockets. 
2022, that pick is likely not to not amount to too much. It will probably be a late first rounder, but then it gets interesting after that because the Brooklyn Nets will be in salary cap hell with Harden, Durant, and Kyrie Irving and whoever else they add to the mix there. 2024 first rounder unprotected, that could be a high pick, as well as a 2026 first rounder unprotected. You never know. You're kind of playing the lottery when you add these first round picks in there. You could be giving away, you know, the next LeBron James, or you could be giving away the next Anthony Bennett. You just never know. And it depends on what the draft class looks like in the future, which we can't project right now. Along with that, the Houston Rockets got pick swaps in 2021, 2023, 2025, and 2027. Um, if you're really in deep with this stuff, you know what that means. But a pick swap basically means they hold the right. If the Brooklyn Nets hold a better pick in any of those years, they hold the right to swap with them. So if the Brooklyn Nets had the first overall pick and the Houston Rockets had the 30th overall pick, they could swap to the first overall pick and the Brooklyn Nets would have the, the 30th overall pick. So that's essentially what that means. And then Cleveland added a first rounder in there as well, 2022 via the Bucks. That's likely to be a late first rounder as Giannis just re-signed in Milwaukee. So that's likely to be a late first rounder, but another first rounder indeed. Indiana Pacers, we already went over that. Um, they added a proven score in Karis LeVert. Victor Oladipo, you kind of feel bad for him. His time on the Pacers started off so strong. He was even talked about in the MVP candidate race. His first year there in Indiana, hit a lot of clutch shots, suffered some injuries, and then he just kind of fell out of favor with the Pacers, with the Pacers fans. Um, but Karis LeVert, he's a younger version. They're looking to add some scoring there. Indiana Pacers kind of giving me some 2020 bubble Miami Heat vibes here. They have a complete team. DeMontis Sabonis is playing really well all-around game. They've got Malcolm Brogdon, nicknamed the president. He just does everything, does it quietly, but he's consistent every night. And Miles Turner in the post as well. He stepped up his defense. He can be a, you know, a post player. He can hit the outside shot as well. So they have a really solid team there in Indiana. And then last but not least, to the delight of Cleveland fans everywhere, the Cavs snuck into this trade as well. They sent out Dante Exum, who is not a part of their future in any way. Um, so not a big loss there. But they end up getting Jarrett Allen, who is a really young, intriguing big. Um, I don't really see him. A lot of people were sad to see him go in Brooklyn, which I understand. He is a defensive anchor for them. He's a really good defensive player. He's a rim runner type. He's athletic. And he's got the greatest afro in the National Basketball Association right now. So for the Cavs, it's a good pickup. Um, he's likely not to be an all-star at any point, but he's going to be a solid big for many years to come. And then they added Torian Prince as well as a sweetener. Um, he's a veteran, tough-nosed guy, 3 and D type guy. Not going to make a huge impact most likely, but he could if the Cavaliers make the playoffs. Be a Jay Crowder type, be a Damari Carroll type, just a solid veteran presence for them on the wing. But we're all here for one thing. That is the James Harden portion of this trade. What really went down in Houston? What caused Brooklyn to finally pull the trigger on this trade? What will the fit be like with Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, and James Harden in Brooklyn? We can't really talk about this trade without talking about the Kyrie Irving situation. Um, he's been sitting out the past few games due to personal reasons. I'm not going to speculate what those are. There have been some rumors floating around on message boards. Uh, neckbeards everywhere have been swapping rumors about what's going on. Nobody really knows. That's the truth. If we knew, we would have heard it by now. 
Uh, Kyrie Irving at this point might not even know what's going on. So I'm just going to move forward with the assumption that at some point this season, he's going to come back to the Brooklyn Nets. He's going to come back and play. He's going to be his old self on the court at least and probably off the court as well. But I'm going to move forward with the assumption that Kyrie Irving is coming back to the Brooklyn Nets and they're going to have the big three on the court. The biggest argument I hear against the trade right now is the age-old argument and the player haters around the world have banded together for the player haters ball and are telling me that there's only one ball on the basketball court and there's no way that all three of these mouths can be fed, all three of these players can be healthy. I just don't buy into that. Uh, the Nets aren't going to play a lot of defense and that's going to be interesting to see in the playoffs to say the least. But if it's a tight game in the fourth quarter, you have James Harden, you have Kyrie Irving, and you have Kevin Durant on the court, I just don't see how any other team is going to match up and actually play against all three of these guys at the same time, given that they're all healthy. There's just no way. These guys are all three offensive savants. Yes, Kyrie Irving does play iso ball, but he does know how to pass as well. He knows how to facilitate. He's going to get his buckets, but he's going to facilitate as well. Same idea with James Harden. We've seen crazy stat numbers in Houston. He can basically go out there like it's a pickup game, score 30 points, and have 15 assists as well and make it look effortless. So I'm not worried about him facilitating and distributing the ball. It's really kind of crazy to me that saying the Brooklyn Nets are better and that they're championship contenders now is sort of a hot take. Um, I know it's really in vogue right now to hate on the Brooklyn Nets, to hate on James Harden. But when these three guys are on the court and they're all clicking together, they're all on top of their offensive game, it's going to be fun to watch at the very least. And you can't really argue with that. That being said, I recognize that this could go south really fast with three mercurial personalities, Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Kyrie Irving. Kevin Durant's been on his best behavior, so I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt in Brooklyn. But with James Harden and Kyrie Irving, you never know what you're going to get. So this take could age horribly. Um, like moldy cheese, this could just age horribly. But I'm willing to stake my claim that the Brooklyn Nets are going to be hard to match up with in the playoffs for anybody coming out of the East. One important thing to consider here for the Brooklyn Nets side of this trade, though, is they sent out Jarrett Allen, who is playing big minutes for them. He's a big-time center, big defensive presence for them. DeAndre Jordan is still there. He's a little bit old. He's been playing well this season in spurts. He has his moments uh, where he looks like old DeAndre Jordan, and then he kind of fades away. That's just to be expected, so I'm not going to sit here and say that DeAndre Jordan's going to be able to play 35 Clippers DeAndre Jordan minutes out there. They're going to need to add another big man or two. Andre Drummond seems to be on the market right now, and if Joe Sy from the Brooklyn Nets is willing to pay the luxury tax, they might add Andre Drummond. You never know. It could be out there. Uh, other names, maybe some guy off the scrap heap like Kenneth Fareed. He's a defensive presence. He's a great rebounder. We know that. He's out there. Uh, maybe some veteran that we don't even see coming right now could be on the trade market. So keep your eye out. See who's on the trade market for the Brooklyn Nets. All right, I am joined here by K-Law06. His name is Rex Nelson. Rex, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself. Just tell us who you are, what kind of teams you root for, those sorts of things. Oh, what's up? This is Claw. Uh, you can figure out a bunch about me from my bio. 
I'm a big Clippers fan. I love defense. And yeah, that's about it. I like that you said that uh, you're all about defense. Who are some of your favorite players in the NBA when it comes to defense? Uh, some of my favorite defenders. I like I like versatility on defense. Like Bam Adebayo comes to mind. Like you know he's a big guy, but he can switch on to guys in the pick and roll. And when the pick and roll is the main offense in the league today, I think that defensive versatility is real important. Yeah, definitely. You got a few on the Clippers there. Um, you've got Patrick Beverly, and then of course Kawhi Leonard. Uh, Kawhi Leonard, to me, when I watch him, I'm a big Kawhi Leonard fan, so I watch him quite a bit. He's not quite what he used to be. He's just getting a little bit older, taking plays off every now and then, which is understandable. But when he really locks in, he's fun to watch on defense. Do you see the same things out of him? Oh, yeah, for sure. Just night after night, going against the best guy on the other team, just shutting him down. When yeah, he's focused, for sure. Yeah, he can just... He can just lock. I know he's getting older. He's had some injuries in the past, but like when he locks in, locks in, he, that's dangerous. Yeah, he can really lock down any perimeter player in the NBA. It's really fun to watch. Uh, something I want to get into the big story of the past couple days, even though it's not technically Clippers related, uh, we can put a little bit of a West Coast spin on it. Uh, the James Harden trade. When you first saw that, you heard about it. What were your initial thoughts? I'll tell you what, the first thing was I saw the Cavaliers got Jarrett Allen and was it Torian Prince? For yeah, they got Jarrett Allen and Torian Prince. Yeah, I thought I thought that was the biggest steal of the trade. But uh, for real, yeah, James Harden on the Nets, I'm going to have to see it to, to be honest. But like, if that works, I don't see what's stopping them. Yeah, they're going to be tough to stop. And then also, as a West Coast fan, as a Clippers fan, you're not really going to have to worry about dealing with James Harden in the playoffs, which is a which is a kind of a plus there. If the Clippers were to reach the finals and face the Brooklyn Nets, do they scare you? Or do you think um, the Clippers still have the upper hand there? Uh, well, if the Nets reach the finals, then they're definitely scary because that would mean they're locked in. But we'll have like Kawhi on KD, Paul George on Harden, and Patrick Beverly on Kyrie. I think that's about as good as you can get. Yeah, I mean, that's going to be tough to stop, especially if they're in the finals. I don't see how anybody's really going to match up with them. But if anybody has a chance, I think the Lakers or the Clippers, one of those two LA teams, has the best chance. Um, specifically on the Clippers this season, they're eight and four. Strong start from Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. What are you seeing out of the team now? Are you happy with what's been going on? Or are you looking to add maybe another addition before the trade deadline? Well, I mean, as a Clippers fan, the thing that comes to mind is like a traditional floor general point guard. We don't really have that with Patrick Beverly averaging like two assists, I think. And so with no real playmaking off the bench either, I mean, Lou Williams can do it, but more so like, the thing we would need was a would be like a guy to run the run the offense, just give it to him in the in the clutch, and just keep everything stable. But other than that, I think we're good. Yeah, they're off to a really strong start. Um, I think the most important thing for the Clippers was Paul George coming back strong. We knew Kawhi Leonard was going to be good. He had a really good season last year. Weirdly, kind of an underrated season, averaging over 28 points a game, career high. 
And then Paul George played well in the regular season, but when it came to the playoffs, we all know what happened. Uh, pandemic P happened. Do you feel good about Paul George if he keeps up his play going into the playoffs this year, or do you see it kind of as a mental block with the playoffs? Well, that's the big if there. If he can if he can keep up his regular season play in the playoffs, then I don't know who's stopping us other than the other team in L.A. But as we've seen in the past, it, it seems like a struggle for him. Hopefully that changes this year, but you can never be sure. Yeah, that is true. A lot of talk about Paul George and then a lot of talk in the offseason about Doc Rivers. Uh, maybe Doc Rivers was the problem. I know Paul George pointed a lot of fingers at Doc Rivers for why the Clippers blew that three to one lead. So you bring in Ty Lue, championship coach. Some people say, you know, that's just from riding LeBron's coattails in Cleveland and whoever was there was going to get a championship. But he is a championship coach nonetheless. What do you think about Ty Lue so far? Uh, so far, he's looked good. I like the defense they're running more than I used to because, like, it used to be – I think they switched up a zone that they run sometimes. Don't quote me on this, but I think they run a 2-3 most of the time. And so – that like clogs up the paint a lot and a lot less teams are getting points in the paint against the Clippers. At least that's what I'm seeing so far. So I don't know if that's a Ty Lue thing or not, but I'll give the credit to Ty Lue and what you said about him being a championship coach. I mean, yeah, he, he's got the ring. He knows LeBron personally. So that's an advantage that we've got now. So, I mean, I guess we had it before, but now he's the head coach. Yeah, what do you think about Doc Rivers and all the talk of him in the offseason? To me, just from the outside looking in, it kind of seemed like he's been there for a while. He was there for Lob City and even after, and he's just they just needed a fresh face. Maybe it wasn't necessarily Doc Rivers' fault, but they just need a fresh face on there. Um, is that kind of your take on things? Uh, yeah, I don't want to point fingers at Doc Rivers. He's a great coach, probably a great guy. Uh, he won a ring with Boston. People say the same thing about that as Ty Lue. Like, he was riding the coattails of, what, Paul Pierce, KG, Rondo. But whatever, he won the he won the ring. He deserves the ring. Uh, uh, yeah, he's a great coach. I, I don't want to blame him for what happened. Uh, he's been the coach of teams that have blown multiple 3-1 leads, and I don't know if that's a coincidence or not. Yeah, it, it's tough to tell. It'll definitely be interesting to see as we move forward um, with a team like the Clippers and other teams like the Lakers and now the Nets and the Bucks. It's not so much about the regular season. It's more about are they peaking at the playoffs? Do they have everybody healthy? Do they have the right rotations for the playoffs? So when it comes to the Western Conference in particular, who are some teams you're kind of worried about? Um, is it just the Lakers? They're across the way in L.A., or is it anybody else in general? Uh, obviously, the Lakers are, they look unbeatable when they when they try. But uh, obviously, last year, losing to the Nuggets, they're, they're a scary young team. If they can get their defense together, that's a team that will definitely compete. But uh, other than those two, I mean, Utah would have to do something crazy to like really have a chance but I think it's just the Lakers and Nuggets yeah I think that's fair right now the Mavericks possibly um, if Porzingis can come back healthy that is still to be seen he's been injured pretty much his entire career for large portions of it so I think counting on Porzingis to come back healthy is 
a bit of a dream for Mavericks fans, but if he comes back, they could be good as well. If Kawhi Leonard were to come back in L.A. as a Clipper and win a championship this year, what would that mean for his legacy overall? Where do you see him kind of on the pantheon of players today? So if he were to win the ring this year, and I'm guessing he would probably win finals MVP unless Paul George goes crazy in that run. Yeah, but let's say he, let's say he wins his third championship with his third team and his third finals MVP. Yeah, I don't know a lot of people that have done that. I think it would be new. I mean, what Kareem's done it twice. Wait, LeBron, LeBron, of course, duh. So that puts him with LeBron. I mean, top 10, maybe? Yeah, it's interesting. What about the players that are currently playing? So we know maybe Giannis, Giannis Antetokounmpo in Milwaukee is seen as a better player as than Kawhi Leonard right now. But if Kawhi were to get a championship and Giannis still is searching for his first championship ring, do you see Kawhi Leonard as a more valuable player or would you rather have someone like Giannis? Uh, I think when it comes down to the nitty gritty, I'd rather have a Kawhi Leonard than a Giannis Antetokounmpo. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, we've seen teams change their defense in a way that can, like, not quite shut down Giannis, but slow him down greatly and I mean it's I think it's harder to completely slow down or shut down Kawhi than it is to do so for Giannis yeah that is very true again this is all what if so I'm not sitting here saying that Kawhi Leonard is today a better player than Giannis I don't think you're saying that either it's still a lot to be seen and this could change obviously throughout the year Um, somebody I want to talk about in particular is Serge Ibaka He left the Raptors, came to the Clippers this year. What do you see out of Serge Ibaka so far? Seems like the Raptors really miss him. Is he playing well for the Clippers right now? I love Serge. What he did with the Thunder and Serge Ibaka, that was amazing. Transfers over to Toronto, changes his game. He's a stretch big now that can play defense. That's all you want out of a center. And I think losing to the Nuggets, I think Serge Ibaka maybe doesn't stop Jokic, but certainly does a better job than Montrezl Harrell and Avicii Zubac. Yeah, he's definitely going to be a big addition, especially when it comes to the playoffs. He's playoff tested. He's been through the playoff grind before. He's a veteran, so I think he'll be really big in the playoffs as opposed to somebody like Montrez Harrell, who couldn't quite get over the hump. He struggled a little bit in the playoffs. And then two players I want to highlight that just from watching early Clippers games to where they're at now that I've seen improve a lot. The first one is Nicholas Batum. When I first watched, I think, the first two Clippers games, I watched most of them in full, and it just looked like he had completely lost whatever he had. He never really played in Charlotte after he got that big contract, so I thought Clippers gave him a shot just to see if he had anything left in the tank. He didn't really have much left in the tank. It was like they were playing four on five out there at times. But then I watched him recently over the past two or three games, uh, possibly four games, and he's He's been looking pretty good. He's been looking like a solid role player. He can get hot, um, have some crafty, like, fadeaway jump shots, some crafty passing like a Frenchman would. Uh, What do you think about Nicholas Batum so far? Can he be a role player? Uh, Certainly. I think he'll be a really great wing defender off our bench. I mean, I love Nick Batum. Uh, His game in Portland was really nice. He was a really good role player with Dane Lillard. 
like you said, he got that contract in um, Charlotte, and twenty-seven million on anybody's a lot of money, but twenty-seven million on a role player is just—I think it was demoralizing for him more than anything else, because like he averaged what, like four points in that last Charlotte season. Yeah, he barely played at all. For so him. He he averaged something negli- negligible, like three or four points per game. Yeah. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see Nicholas Batum. Um, as Morris comes back, I think we'll see his minutes drop off a little bit, but he could be another veteran presence for them in the playoffs. And then Luke Kennard got a big extension, a sign-and-trade of sorts in the offseason from Detroit. Um, always a solid player in Detroit, around 15 points per game. Good shooting splits, shot about 40% from three. Outside shooter, a little bit of a mid-range game. A solid passer. What have you seen out of Luke Kennard so far? Uh, yeah, he's a, a he's a really great scorer off our bench again. But like my biggest thing with Luke Kennard is off the bench he's going to be playing with Williams mostly, and I'm not sure how that tandem works as far as like really great scorers don't. I'll just have to see it in the playoffs and stuff. Yeah, definitely. Um, a lot to be seen here from the Clippers moving forward. Luke Kennard. I think they w- probably needed more of a playmaking guard as opposed to a spot-up shooter or somebody who creates off the dribble. Um, Reggie Jackson is there as well. Have you seen anything from Reggie Jackson? Does he have anything left in the tank? Um, Left in the tank, I think he's got some stuff. He's a pretty I, I like giving. I like the idea of giving him the ball and just letting him run a bench lineup. But again, with Lou Williams and Luke Kennard, there's not – there's not a lot of touches to go around with that bench squad. Yeah, I think what we're going to find out, especially in playoff time, it's really going to come down to Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Patrick Beverly being consistent on the defensive end, and then Serge Ibaka, if he can give them anything, a little extra 3 and D type scoring, uh, maybe a little bit in the post, and then defense, it's going to be key for them. Before I let you off here, did you have anything else you wanted to hit on around the NBA? I know you're a Clippers fan, but are there any other stories or players that um, are really on top of your mind in the NBA? Uh, along the NBA, I like the Thunder a lot. I mean, when you trade Chris Paul and all your most of your uh, rotation for draft picks, a lot of people think you're going to be, what, the worst team in the league? And so far, they're not quite a playoff team, but ninth seed and promising stuff from Shea, young guys like Hamidou Diallo, Lou Dort, I mean, Alexei Pokerzewski, and you've like 17 picks, and then if you take risks like that, and so far, it's not panned out, but there's time. But yeah, I like the Thunder a lot, especially for the future. Yeah, I think um, last time I checked, they were 500, and a lot of people were calling for them to be last in both the Western Conference and the Eastern Conference. So if they can stick around 500, maybe sneak into the playoffs or just fall off a little bit out of the playoffs and then have all those draft picks, they definitely can build for the future there. Before I let you go, let's let's get into it. Give me one team or player or coach your stock up on and then one your stock down on. Uh, I probably shouldn't have said in the Thunder because that's kind of yeah. the team I have a lot of stock going forward on. But yeah, Shea Gilgis-Alexander looks like he could be a real star. Hamidou Diallo, he used to just be like a dunk guy, but now he's averaging like 12 points on decent efficiency. He looks promising. Lou Dort, an insanely good upcoming 3 and D guy. 
uh, veterans like George Hill and Al Horford are playing good for them. Darius Baisley, all I forgot to mention him. He's another really good up and coming player. And like Shea, Diallo, Lou Dort, Darius Baisley, Isaiah Roby, Theo Maladon, Alexei Pokuzevsky, and Moses Brown are all under 22. So like that's promising for the future. Yeah, we will definitely see who breaks out for them. Uh, what is one team or player or coach you're stuck down on? Who are you not so high on right now? Uh, I hate to say this because of what's been going on in his, pers- in his personal life, especially with COVID and stuff, but I think Carl Anthony Towns is a little bit overrated. For a guy that hasn't done much in the playoffs, doesn't do much on the defensive end, again, I'm biased because I love defense and stuff. But, I mean, he's a great scoring center, probably the most versatile scoring center. But, like, I just I just think he's a bit overrated as, like, a top three, top one center. I don't think he's that. That's fair. Not a lot of winning going on in Minnesota. That happened as well to Kevin Love. He put up big numbers in Minnesota. He didn't start winning until he got with LeBron in Cleveland. So, a lot to, to be seen there. Maybe it's just Minnesota in general. P- players go there to die. I don't know. I don't know what's up in Minnesota. So we will definitely see with Carl Anthony Towns. And then last, before I let you go, give me a hot take. What are you burning on? I mean, again, I'm biased. I love defense. But my big thing is I love Bam Adebayo. I think it's a really hot take. But I think he's the second best center in the league behind only Nikola Jokic. I mean, for a guy that can play make the way he does, run the floor as fast as he does, guard other positions as well as he does, I think those are some things that few players at his position can compete with. Yeah, I, I don't think, I mean, it is hot, a hot take, don't get me wrong, with Joel Embiid still in the league. People are going to go with Jokic or Embiid and then probably Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert above Bam. But I see what you're saying, especially in the playoffs last year, we saw it how important Bam Adebayo was to winning. So maybe sometimes it's not all about the stats. It's actually the eye test and how the team performs on the court. So I definitely understand that. All right. That about does it for me. Did you want to plug anything before I let you go here? Uh, not, not really. No, I'm good. All right, cool. Well, Rex, I thank you for joining us. All right. Thank you. you got to be aware of the inbounder here if you're filling. It's off to Leonard, defended by Simmons. Is this the dagger? Game series! Reggie Lewis 35 is in the building, y'all. What's going on? A lot has been made about the much-anticipated trade involving James Harden that shook the NBA world last night. We all understand that we got to this point. And just in case you have been living under a rock, or just don't follow the association that closely, we're here because Mr. Harden requested a trade a few months ago. So now that uh, it has happened and he's on his way to Brooklyn to play alongside Kyrie and Kevin, what shall we make of it? How will it affect James Harden? How will it affect the Nets? How will it affect Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant? We're going to get into all of that on the James Harden trade edition of the Halftime Speech. This was a trash-ass trade. Garbage. Trash. It isn't trash because it's James Harden, nor is it trash because I'm a Celtics fan. This trade is trash because the Brooklyn Nets mortgaged their future for maybe two years of trying to win a championship. 
This trade is trash because the Brooklyn Nets got better right now. Everyone else involved will be better now and in the future. Why? Because they have draft picks. That's why. This trade is trash because you have put the three most mercurial basketball players on the planet on one team and you're asking them to put their talents and strengths aside to come together and be on the same page. Y'all, this is Bad Girls Club Brooklyn on full display. The Nets, for better or for worse, watched a previous regime owned by Mikhail Prokhorov make a blockbuster deal for Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce, among others. For draft picks, they are seemingly still relinquishing now, and the rest of the world watches the Boston Celtics, who were vilified at the time for making such a bad trade, swapped picks, traded players, and ultimately wound up with Jason Tatum, among others, to show off as a reminder of what happens when you have a lot of draft picks and what they'll do for you, specifically when you draft right. Now, I'm hard-pressed to envision a world where the Brooklyn Nets will win a phalanx of championships over the next five to ten seasons, and I sincerely hope that the trades do not send them into an abyss the likes of which they will not get out of. We must take into consideration the fact that while this team is built to win now, they don't have the defense nor the depth to win right now. They could very easily run into a deeper, more complete team and find themselves at home come May as there is no clear-cut path out of the Eastern Conference. The Nets are the team that a lot of folks are slobbing on at the moment, but they haven't proven themselves to be elite, superior, and or championship ready. I don't give a damn who they have on their team and who has how many rings. Collectively, as a group, as a team, as a unit in the Brooklyn uniform, they ain't want a damn thing. And I'm not getting ready to say just because they have James Harden, who a lot of y'all say is not a great player because he hasn't won anything, is now going to make them a contender. If he's never won a championship, which is so important to y'all, how in the hell is he going to lead and or be a part of a championship team and he ain't never won one? Come on now, y'all can't have it both ways. So they're not championship ready. What we shall see moving forward will either be the Golden State Warriors 2.5 or the worst real NBA Divas locker room edition we have ever seen. The fact that we are still in the midst of a pandemic where players are still getting their sea legs under them and there's very little to no practice doesn't bode well for an in-season trade that not only changes the overall landscape of the team, but doesn't allow them to jail outside of getting on the court and playing and figuring it all out and playing. And then there's Kyrie. He might want to play right now. He might want to play tonight. But will he play tomorrow? We have learned that his all-in means right now, this very second. That is who he is. That is the street he lives on. That's how he gets down. KD is another individual that we have to pay attention to. While nothing off the court has affected him on the court per se, it was evident to some players, Draymond Green included, that Kevin had his sights set elsewhere while playing for Golden State, at least at the end, if for no other reason than the fact that he wouldn't commit to them long term. He later admitted that his spat with Day uh, Day has something to do with him not resigning. But what happens if Kyrie, the most mercurial of the three, says something he doesn't like? Will he create a burner account and destroy him via social media? Will he shut down and not speak to Kyrie? 
Will he opt out after two seasons? For those who are quick to say he wouldn't do no shit like that, to an extent, he has already done all three. And that's why I mentioned it. And y'all should know by now, I'm not going to mention some stuff I can't verify. Now, he didn't, he didn't create a burner account and destroy people, but he did have a burner account and he was defending himself via a burner account. So I don't put anything past him as far as that's concerned. And then there's my man, James Harden, the beard. He's probably the most laid back of the three, but he's also had his diva moments of late and the curtain has been pulled back on his act. It exposed a self-centered, coddled superstar who has been given carte blanche for years and was allowed to do just about whatever he wanted to do as a member of the Houston Rockets, even sometimes at the, at the expense, expense of practice. Because while they were practicing, you know, he, or let's say, let's not say that they were practicing instead of practicing, he took his ass to Vegas on an off day, you know, because that's what you do when you're a star, right? Nobody can question his talent, his desire, or even his basketball IQ. But tis hard to go from someone being treated like a king to just another guy. Just ask Al Capone. You know, he got sent to Alcatraz and uh, there was a slew of men who were just as violent as he was and as unafraid of him as he was the law. And gone were the days of having guards under his thumb he wasn't having steaks delivered to his cell and he didn't get to enjoy some of the other accoutrements that someone of his ilk would enjoy. He ate with everyone else. He ate what they ate. He was told when to get up, go to bed, etc. And it wasn't as pleasant an experience anymore because he didn't have that power, but he couldn't leave. So he had no damn choice. James Harden can. James Harden did. As an aside, I want to talk to you about the Beatles for a moment. Yeah, those Beatles. John Lennon, Ringo Starr, Paul McCartney, and George Harrison. They traveled the world en route to becoming one of the greatest groups of all time, bar none. Unfortunately, what was and what might have been ended when a man by the name of Mark David Chapman shot and killed John Lennon on December 8, 1980. Though the two men had crossed paths previously, they did not know one another. Mr. Chapman has explained himself and expressed remorse for killing John Lennon, but we may never know exactly why he did it. Now, what the hell does that have to do with those three and the Brooklyn Nets? I'm glad you asked. KD, Beard, and Kyrie all know one another. Metaphorically speaking, one of them is going to shoot the other. Maybe even the other two. He may explain himself and even express remorse, but we may never know exactly why he did it. What we will know is this. Just like a bad movie starring J-Lo that shall remain nameless, it was doomed from the start. I'll holler at y'all. Peace.
And neither team fouls to give, both in the penalty. Under two to play. Harden step back, puts up the three, got hit, shot's good, and one! James Harden double team and a chance for a four-point play. This was a very interesting week for the NBA, no doubt. The Nets made a big move. Can't wait to see all three of those players on the court together. Hopefully sooner rather than later with Kyrie Irving, James Harden, and Kevin Durant all on the floor at the same time. It's going to be fun to watch. But I cannot let you guys go. You know what the deal is. Before I let you go for the end of the episode, we got to get into who is the greatest of all time. We had John Wall added to the mix just last week. I'm thinking maybe Bradley Beal add to the mix this week. He's been going off for the Wizards. Is he the greatest player of all time? So we've got Jordan, we've got LeBron, we've got Russell, we've got Wilt the Stilt, we've got Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, aka Lou Alcindor. Talked about Nate Thurman last week in the halftime speech. Is Bradley Beal up there with those guys? I'm going to get into some stats right now that might turn your attention to Bradley Beal. So let's get into it. Oh, no, that's it. That's all the time I got for today, folks. I ran out of time. Hate when this happens at the end of the episode, but I really got to go. Thank you guys for sticking it through with me. On to episode five. Peace and love, baby.